This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome this week to SETN. Perhaps well after a long, hard-fought season. 10-week, 11-week, I guess, regular season, and then four weeks of the playoffs. Here we sit. We are ready to roll into the state championship games in Cookville. Action gets underway on Thursday night. We're going to take a look back at last Friday night. We had a couple of teams in action. Both South Pittsburgh and Meigs County played. We'll uh, kind of break those games down, talk about those games a little bit. We'll also look ahead to this week's state championship games as you've got uh, Meigs County representing the Chattanooga area in southeast Tennessee in Class 2A, and you've got Macaulay in Division II, Class 3A. So we're going to be talking about both of those games coming up. Don't forget, you can find us uh, at SETN Preps on Twitter. You can find uh, Chandler Morrison at Sports Chandler. You can find me at Crisco Fourth One. Make sure you check out our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com. Go to that search bar and type in SETN Preps. Pull us right up. Make sure you uh, you like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast.com. Tune in. You can find us on Pandora as well. Check out our website, SETNPreps.com. Chandler, before we get into talking about these games we're coming down to the, the nitty-gritty with our um, our bracket challenge here where we had folks go and uh, got the chance to pick the winners in all of the um, playoff games how's it looking so far Chris I'm actually a little behind I've got the results in and everything I just haven't been able to pull the data because I've been looking at film and trying to get ready for these games but um, you know, I, I still think I still think our winner is going to come out of Class One A, and I still think that uh, uh, th- this is. I mean, listen, this has been fun. I, I'm telling you, like I, I don't know for you, it's probably not been as fun, but for me, it was fun to kind of see everybody say, and how they're doing. I, I'm not trying. I mean, you can pull whatever you want out of that now. I'm, I'm just. Wow. I, I, I was just assuming maybe you didn't or didn't. I don't know, man. Don't Shots know. fired already. All y'all, right. y'all go look at the leaderboard, and you'll see why Chris may not be so happy. But uh, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> no, that's, well, listen, I just want to say that I guess it was last week or two weeks ago you said I was only in the top ten in one bracket. I was in the top ten in two brackets. All right? So oh, okay. Let's, let's, All right. Let's give me a little bit of credit here where credit's due. Where we were wrong. Where yeah. we were wrong. Yeah. Okay. Fess up to it. Um, so, okay. hey, here's All the right. cool thing about this. Now, whoever wins our bracket challenge, whoever gets the – and we're doing it by percentages, so it's whoever gets the highest percentage of games correctly in the playoffs. We're going to have you come on the podcast and uh, host a podcast with us. So we will have our podcast winner next week. We're down to only doing one show a week for right now simply because, uh, well, again, we only have a couple of games to talk about. So we do have some news and notes we want to get to. There was some big news in high school football across the state of Tennessee. In Chandler, we had our Mr. Football Award winners. They were announced on Monday. So congratulations to all the guys who won. It is the first time since 2003 that Chattanooga was shut out for a Mr. Football winner. But congratulations. We did have, we did have uh, two guys locally nominated, Ronto Tipton, um, in Class 1A, 
from South Pittsburgh and Aaron Swafford in Class 2A from Meigs County. Congratulations to both of those guys. Uh, Holden Willis, the um, wide receiver, running back, kind of do-it-all guy at Greenback. He set a new single-season touchdown record uh, for the state of Tennessee this year, so it's it's going to be hard to keep that guy from uh, from winning it. And then uh, Cooper Bogus from Peabody in 2A, he knocked off, uh, he, he beat out Aaron Swafford in Class 2A to be able to, to win the award. But Chandler, if you've been around Tennessee high school football long enough and you've seen kind of how this thing has evolved and, and just the way they handle it, I've been to two Mr. Football Awards. I went in 99 and 2009, of all things. But uh, I guess I should have gone again this year, right? 2019, that would keep my, my streak alive of going every 10 years. But um, let me tell you, from where this thing started, the way they used to do it back then, to where they do it today, it's. Uh, I think they do a great job with it. I'm really, really glad that the Tennessee Titans got involved in the Mr. Football Award. I think it's really gone next level since the Titans have gotten involved in it. Yeah, and Chris, the interesting thing about it is, you know, this voting, uh, it always seems to kind of favor who goes on to the state championship, even though this, this voting takes place before. Like, the voting takes place around the first round of the playoffs, I think. Am I right, Chris? I voted for I voted for the Mr. Football for I think that's when it happened. Have you? Have yeah, you voted it's, for it yeah, it's it's been a while since I voted for it, but yeah, it's it's something like that. Yeah, and it's interesting because it always seems that the the finalists that of course as media members we just nominate. We don't get to vote on this, you know. And so by the first round of the playoffs, it seems to me, Chris, there's always some kind of even though it's a regular season award, there always seems to be some kind of. Um, you know, preference on how some of these players do throughout the playoffs and, and how far they advance. I've seen that time and time again where you have two guys that match up in the, you know, maybe the quarterfinals or the semifinals, and the, and the guy that goes on to win nine times out of ten, that's the guy that ends up being the Michigan football. Now, nine times out of ten, that's also the better athlete, but that's just how it always kind of seems to me, Chris, that it's a regular season more that honestly does have some, I guess, connections to the postseason when it when it comes to voting and when they it comes to pushing them through so yeah it's it's a great honor though for the guys to just be nominated i think it's fantastic so congratulations to our two local guys in ronto tipton and 1a and aaron swafford in 2a to just get nominated for it um really i mean you're talking about being one of the three best players in your classification in the state of tennessee and i don't think there's any doubt that uh, Ronto Tipton and Aaron Swafford belong in that elite company. So congratulations to uh, to both of those guys. Also, a uh, little coaching news wanted to get to today. We, we don't have any coaching changes in the Chattanooga area and our southeast Tennessee area in which we talk about yet. yet. But uh, there is one from a guy that used to be in this area, former Marion County coach Mac McCurry is out at uh, Franklin County after, what was it, two years for him at Franklin County? He wasn't there long. He was three, yeah, three years. Three years. I read. Yeah, I, I knew he hadn't been there very long. So, um, But he is uh, he is out, and, of course, he was the head coach at Marion County when the whole uh, spray painting of the field house and all that kind of stuff went down. And be honest, uh, Chandler, I'm look, there's no doubt that guy's a good football coach, but – 
after that went down, I'm surprised that he was able to get back as a head coach in the state of Tennessee again after that mm-hmm. happened. As close to Marion County as that. Well, I mean, that's only a county away, Chris, too, that's as right. well. I mean, that's not – I mean, um, but, you know uh, – it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where you had this kind of big incident blow up. It's hard to get away. You know, all these coaches. He's the only one on that staff, I believe, that has went on to be a head coach, and that's because he was the head coach at that time. You know, I think uh, every one of them except for one ended up being a coach somewhere else. Another one uh, that he, he ended up not going into coaching, ended up going in, into another career. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I was surprised when he got there that he was a head coach at a program again. But you know that, that's how that's how that's how it falls, Chris. But you know uh, he's he's out now. Chandler, that's what I have uh, in terms of our news and notes segment for this week. You got anything? It is the season of the coaching carousel. It will heat up in the next two or three weeks. So everybody, get ready. Yeah, I think it's coming, and you're already seeing moves being made across the state. Uh, we just haven't really seen anything here in in this area, and honestly, it's not uncommon for us to see coaching changes that start sometime in December and for them to roll oftentimes into March or April before jobs get filled. So um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's not something you and I are talking about well into the spring. Let's go ahead and hop into last week's game as Greenback came from behind and notched the 27-26 win over South Pittsburgh. There were five lead changes in this game, Greenback scored with 45 seconds left to take the lead. Uh, South Pittsburgh had a, a pass into the end zone that was batted down, and um, that's you know the Pirates just they they tried, they had a shot, they just couldn't do it. They led though 20 to seven at one point in this game, and between listening a little bit online and um, through our SETN uh, Preps um, Facebook page, and then also. From following this game on Twitter, when it was twenty to seven, Chandler, I was feeling pretty good. I thought South Pittsburgh was about to roll this thing. Yeah, I thought we were going to have three three Chad Newgary teams in the state championship because Mays County was holding their own against Trousdale, and that was that was going to be a close game. We'll talk about that. In a you know, I don't think I've seen two closer games in the semifinals in our area in a long, long time. I think either it's been where we know that team's going to win, we know that team's going to lose. Or you know, I've never, I've not seen as many close games in the semifinals, you know, in a while. I guess you say, but Chris, you were worried about the South Pittsburgh secondary lately. Here's where you know we were wrong. I was wrong. Here's where you were right, Chris. Okay, mm. say Don't it again. To it now. Say it again. No, I, no, I can't, Chris. I can't. Do it. Oh. I, can't do it. Uh, <laughs> God, I got it on tape. But but you <laughs> you had a right to be concerned, Chris. All right, the secondary gave up three. Touchdown passes, okay, and one of them, and one of them was like for one of them was like fifteen yards, one of them was three yards, and when you get into close proximity like that, Chris, that's where the secondary actually has the advantage most of the time, Chris, because when you pull everything, when you're upfield at the fifty yard line, there's so much of that field to cover. If they go long, if they go short, whatever. But when you get toward the red zone, into the red zone within fifteen yards, Chris, it is harder for that offense to score. That's why you look at red zone percentages as far as how they can get to the end zone. Greenback was able to score in those close proximity with pass, not just the run, with pass. You know? Right. Well, the biggest one was a three-yard pass with 45 seconds left in the game. I also think South Pittsburgh, too, had a costly pass interference penalty um, that that cost them and, and kept a drive going for, um, for Greenback. But even still, 
Man, South Pittsburgh, they had a chance if they, on their last offensive possession, before they gave the ball back to Greenback, that where Greenback eventually drove down and and uh, and scored to take the, the 20, uh, 27-26 lead. When South Pittsburgh was leading 26-20, if if they just if they're just able to pick up a couple of first downs, and this is basically the, the comment that Vic Greider made uh, after the game. Look, if we get a couple of first downs, we could have put them away. We could have put this game away, and they weren't able to yeah. do that. And at the end, it came back and caught up with them. So I hate it, though, man. I hate it because I really thought. I mean, I as you know, and for anybody that's listening to this podcast. You know, I've been on the South Pittsburgh bandwagon all year because I really thought this was a team that had a legitimate. Yeah, this was a legitimate state title contender, and um, you know, they look. Hats off to them. They had a fantastic year. Good luck to Greenback with uh, going into the um, into the state championship game, the state title game coming up. Greenback will play the first game on Friday. So that'll be an early kickoff Friday morning uh, as they will take on Lake County, which uh, fans of South Pittsburgh will know because back in the 80s, South Pittsburgh and Lake County met for a uh, state championship. So, uh, But Greenback, Lake County on Friday, best of luck to them. And also, uh, Greg Ryan, the head coach at, uh, at Greenback, he was interviewed by J.D. Vaughn, who is a, a freelance sports writer uh, from Knoxville after the game. And here's what uh, Coach Greg Ryan, obviously a very excited guy for his uh, Greenback Cherokees going to the state title. I don't know if anything clicked or not. It's the simple fact that we talked about at halftime. They're going to get the football, regardless of whether they score or whether they don't. Uh, we, we're capable of scoring 35 points in a half. You know, this offense that we run, we got a lot of playmakers and a quarterback that can get them all the ball. At any point in time, we, we're, we're capable of putting big numbers on the scoreboard. So, hey, whatever happens, let's just play the next play. And that's exactly the mindset that the guys had. to get. Couldn't worry about results. Just do your job. And, you know, I think the guys done that. When you think about Braden Carnes at the start of the season and Braden Carnes tonight, how, how, how would you say Braden Carnes has developed a quarterback? Uh, Braden Carnes is fantastic quarterback, first of all. Number one, he's very underrated as a college quarterback. He's not getting the offers that he should. He is fantastic person and a fantastic human being and then even a better quarterback. He would tell you tonight that he probably didn't have his A game simply because of some of the shot plays that we t- that we took. He overthrew a few balls, you know. And, and, but with that said, you know, a, a person could really get down on down on themselves, and he didn't do it. He re- responded, went down with a t- winning touchdown drive, and, and he threw a great ball to Duke in the corner. Are you running out of words to describe Holden and, and his ability? I mean, here's what I'll say about Holden. Holden is Holden. Holden's a fantastic athlete. You know, he's 6'4", he's 205, he's hard to tackle, he runs like a deer, he runs great routes, he's a mismatch for any high school kid on any level. So it is hard to say words about Holden, but I personally know that this is a team game and so does Holden. And without the five guys blocking for him and the backs running out of the backfield and all the other receivers to be weapons as well, then that makes Holden a, a not as strong of a ball player. So it takes a to, it's a total team effort. One, one of the teammates that really stepped up there at the very end, Duke. I mean that that catch he had in the corner of the end zone. How what does he mean to this team, and what does that moment mean to you guys? Duke is 
you know, if we win the state next next week, Duke will be the only kid on this football field that's had would have two rings in 2019 because he won it in baseball, and he's already won one, one ring in football, so he'll have three, so he'll have bragging rights on all the guys. <laughs> he's a winner. That's right. He's a winner. That's Greenback coach Greg Ryan talking with J.D. Vaughn after the game uh, from Twitter. So, Chandler, Greenback gets the win. South Pittsburgh season comes to a close, but a – a heck of a run this year for the Pirates. Yeah, and Chris, two more things on this one. You know, I, you know, we saw where you were right last week. I'll, I'll point out where I was right because I can't go without doing that, Chris. Um, I, I told I told you last week, South Pittsburgh has never beaten Greenback in the semifinals. They were zero and two. Now they they moved to zero and three. So we need to see where this trend goes. I think this is a South Pittsburgh team. When you have Vic Ryder as your coach, and, and they've had the success and the athletes they've had. We, I want to see where this goes down the road and see if South Pittsburgh can finally get over that hump, right? Um, you know, uh, that was that was one thing I wanted to see. And, you know, one thing we, we've not talked about yet, Chris, is that Braden Sanders, you know, we, we talked last week that he was questionable. We come and find out on Friday that he's not, able, that he's not you know, able to, to play. Yeah, broke collarbone. Right? And, and so, you know, I have to say that I'm, I'm not saying that's the reason they lost. Because I think that offense was flowing with Jalen Hubbard in there at oh, quarterback. Yeah. yeah, no, it but, definitely was. Yeah, yeah. But what I am trying to say is when you get into those crunch moments, sometimes having that experience, sometimes having that guy that's been there all season. No doubt. You know, some, yep. being able to control that control that offense. I mean, we, we talk, you know, you talk about all the time in college, you know, or the past couple of years that, you know, when you're like Alabama or something, you need a game manager, not a quarterback, you know. And sometimes being a game manager, although he didn't throw the ball a lot, he's a great quarterback, they just run the ball a lot. You know, being a great game manager is, is an underrated quality in a quarterback, and that was probably something that they could have used Friday night in that crunch time scenario. I'm not saying that's the reason they lost, but definitely um, so a reason that they might have uh, that, 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 that contributed to that. Um, but, but yeah, and we talked about, of course, uh, Holden Willis. He had 184 yards receiving on uh, Friday night for Greenback, and uh, he was the Mr. Football uh, finalist, and he was a Mr. Football winner. So uh, those were his stats Friday night. Of course, you had Ronto Tipton that was in that conversation as well. He had 117 on the ground. Yeah, and look, I, I think South Pittsburgh's got a, a good core coming back. They will be. Oh, yeah. well, they look. They're they're going to be one of the five best teams in one A football again next year. I mean, you just go ahead and pencil that in. I think now they're going to be. I think they're going to be really, really good again next year. I think they'll be pretty good the year after that. And then, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm going to take a wait and see approach beyond that. But I think South Pittsburgh's good enough to be right back in the semifinals again next year. Yeah. Let's talk. You never about- know what the freshman and sophomore are going to. You know what, freshmen and sophomores are going to come up. You know, I mean, and I think if they were going to win a state championship, this was the year because they had all the elements together. I'm they not did. saying they can't in the next two years, but I, I think this is a, a perfect time for them to get that championship while while they got the the ripe garden there at South Pittsburgh. Let's talk about the the two A matchup last week: Meigs County and Trousdale. Meigs County, bless their hearts, man, they finally get over that hump and beat Trousdale Ooh. County. Hagen Low made a tackle on a two-point conversion attempt that sealed the win, and that was huge for Meigs County after the disappointment for as good as they have been for the last couple of years and the disappointment those kids have had to experience in the playoffs. 
including last year at the hands of Trousdale County. To be able to get in there and pull this one off, I thought it was huge. Uh, hats off to him. Um, Aaron Swafford, what can you say? I know he didn't win Mr. Football, but he has accounted for 41 touchdowns and over 3,200 yards this season alone. The other guy that I think deserves some credit there is their head coach in Jason Fitzgerald. He's one of my favorite coaches to deal with in the uh, in the area, and he's a guy that just wins. Everywhere he goes, he's won. So, I mean, he won at Hickson. Think about that. Six years at Meigs County, and he's got him in a state championship game. Um, Jason Fitzgerald's just a good coach. He's a heck of a coach. And um, really happy for him, happy for Meigs County, happy for that community. And, um, I mean, that, you know, again, another one, for as good as the Greenback-South Pittsburgh game was, Meigs County-Trousdale was every bit as good the way those two teams went back and forth with each other all night on Friday night. Yeah, and Chris, this one was uh, no score in the first half. You go to halftime, it's scoreless. That That's, you know, a very defensive battle. We were not going to get the barn burner that we got last year, kind of where they went back and forth, back and forth, until the second half at least. 14-14 uh, to 14 with under six minutes to go in that game. Mexico County goes on the drive, and Swafford ends it with a 10-yard TD run. Trousdale counters with under two minutes to go on a ranking uh, touchdown run. Two-point conversion, as you said, was no good. And, and for that game to come down to a two-point conversion, I want you to think about this. Swafford was responsible for every single point in this game. He had one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. And by the way, when they were successful in the two-point conversions, guess who was going into the end zone for those two-point conversions? Aaron Swafford. That That is something you don't see a lot where someone is responsible for it because you always have the kicker, Chris. You always have the kicker. Those darn you know? kickers. Unless you're <laughs> Alabama. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, the, no, the podcast entirely. Might, might, have, might have been too soon for that, but anyway. <laughs> One second too soon, actually. But, oh. Um, oh. <laughs> anyways, uh, back to back to high school. See, uh, that break was brought to you by idiots. Um, two two-point conversions that he had. I think they were unsuccessful in maybe one of those conversions earlier in the game that made it 14-14 instead of like 16-14. But a guy that's responsible for every, not every touchdown, every point scored in that game, that just shows you that you can shut everything else down with Mex County. You can hold them down in the rush. You can hold them. You can hold their running backs, whatever. Aaron Swafford is just going to overpower you with his will alone. I mean, that's just what's going to happen when you play Swafford. Mex County only has, by the way, Mex County only has three touchdown passes this season, and one of them came, or this postseason, excuse me, and one of them came Friday. They, they've had like a two games where they've had like no touchdown passes and won the games handedly. So they're going to run the ball at you, and, and of course we'll kind of talk about that later this week. But you know, uh, Tigers now three and two in semifinal matchups, so now they're over five hundred at the semi, in the finals. You know, and. and we said this would be the year, and it looks like it might be for Mex County as they go to the state championship, you know, in, in Cookville. You know, I, and Chris, I just want to say I've had my doubts, and I'll be honest with you about Mex County because I was kind of on the bandwagon that Tyner was the 218. You know, and I think a lot of people were because they saw that record and they saw where they were playing and saw what was going on with them. But let me tell you something. Mex County has stepped up and, and shown us why they are the best team in 2A, not even just in our area, in East Tennessee. So, 
Uh, and they take on, of course, they'll be the Saturday 11 a.m. game there in, uh, in Cookville this Saturday to take on Peabody. And that brings us to the uh, to the state championship games this week. So, Chandler, real quick, on Thursday, that's when we get the Division Two games underway. Davidson Academy yep. against USJ, CPA against ECS in the Alphabet Bowl, and then uh, Macaulay in MBA. That is Thursday night in the networks, uh, or are on, by the way, MyNet. That's where you can find it. Thursday night, those games will be on MyNet, Thursday night and Friday night. So uh, check your local cable, check your satellite provider, wherever you get your cable from. You can watch these games on TV on MyNet in Chattanooga Thursday night. And then uh, on Friday, you can also watch it on uh, MyNet. And there you get Greenback against Lake County in 1A, Alcoa and Pearl Cone in uh, 3A, and then 5A is Knox Central against Summit. And then on Saturday, the games will be on CW Chattanooga. And on Saturday, you get Meigs County and Peabody, followed by Elizabethton and Springfield. And then in the night game, it is Maryville and Ravenwood. On Saturday night on the CW Chattanooga, those are your state championship games. That is where you can find those games. Before we move on, before we move on, um, Chandler, and, and completely leave Meigs County behind, I do have one more thing here. It's another little piece of audio that I wanted to play. Uh, this comes from uh, News 12. Uh, Rick and Angela and, and the gang over at uh, over at Channel 12, they were there Friday night in Decatur, and they had a chance to catch up with Meigs County head coach Jason Fitzgerald after the game. How did those uh, two ice showers feel? Those are the best bass I ever had. I mean, uh, they keep pouring it, man. This team is just resilient. You know, we just kept battling. We didn't get a lot in the first half. We talked about it in the second half. We challenged the offensive line. I said, if you're the offensive line that everybody's talking about and writing about, let's get it done in the second half. Came up, put three scores on the board. Talk about your defense making the stops when they had to and also the play of, uh, of course, Aaron Ford. Well, defense did exactly what they had to do. And we got down to close time, and we're sitting there in the locker room. The team, there's going to be five or six plays, and we're going to have to make them. It's going to be the team. Maybe not the most talent, but the most hard. When you're down there on the three-yard line, it's the team with the most heart that's going to make that play, and we stopped it short. What does a game like this, you know, exemplify what makes county football all about? Just blue-collar, fighting and fighting, never giving up. We were down at Trousdale last year, came back. We were down at South Pittsburgh, came back, but didn't win it. We've been behind before, and we just kept fighting. You know, for a team with all that tradition, for us to come back and fight, get down on the first drive in the second half, just shows you what we're made of inside. I know yet if it's Peabody or Riverside. Don't care. Don't care. You guys are going there for the first time in 25 years. How happy is this place? Well, just look at it. Did y'all see what it was tonight? You know, you talk about, people talk about, you know, maybe 1A, 2A football. You show me a better atmosphere than what we had right here tonight, 2A football with two great football teams. Heck of a job. This is what you play for. This is why you do all the hard work. This is what it's about. We couldn't hear inside the huddle there. I mean, the post-game celebration, what would you say to the team? I said, you know, they gave a presentation to Coopville guy, invited us to Coopville, and I said, this is what we've been wanting. This is what we want to do. We said we wanted to get to 15. Let's not stop here. As good as this feels, let's enjoy it tonight. Let's, you know, stay out here, 
for however long you want, but it's time to go back to work because we got to get one more. That's Meigs County football coach Jason Fitzgerald, courtesy of News Channel 12 WDEF. So there you have it, Meigs County a winner, 22-20 to 20 over Trousdale. They advance, they get Peabody on uh, on Saturday. Chandler, let's go ahead and talk about that game a little bit because Peabody has been the one team in 2A, and I know I've talked a ton about them here lately um, or recently while we've done this podcast because the folks that I have talked to over in West Tennessee have just gushed about how good they think that this Peabody team is. And they've got Cooper Boggess, who uh, is the Mr. Football Award winner there. So, this will be a matchup between Bogus and Aaron Swafford that will be, uh, I think it will be a fantastic, fantastic showdown between those two guys yeah. uh, on Saturday, really Saturday morning central time uh, when this thing, uh, early afternoon eastern time when it kicks off. Yeah, and, and Chris, by the way, we should have those streams like we, we have been having, I believe. We should have at least the radio streams up for those that can't, because I know a lot of people don't have the TV Going for cut the cable. So uh, if you're one of those people, have at least the radio streams up online, um, and we might have the video streams up as well. We're still looking at that, make sure everything's going good with that. We'll, we'll post on social media. But, but Chris, uh, first of all, let's talk about this. Let's just read out the stats real quick of these two teams. Uh, these are Peabody season stats, averages, and then these are Mex County through the playoffs, okay? Right. So four games in the playoffs. So that's a pretty good sample size, okay? So Peabody, they like to rush the ball. 250, not as much as Mex County, but 257 yards a game, okay? Mex County, 298. So they, you know, Mex County likes to rush it more. Although Peabody does have a lot more balance. They usually average about 120 yards a game. What would you say that Mex County averages a game in, in passing yards, Chris? Take a guess. 54. You're pretty close, 60. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, here's, they the average, thing. here's the thing. Yeah. Meigs County doesn't throw it because they haven't had to. Exactly. Look at look exactly. at what they have done to people. I mean, man, mm-hmm. Aaron Swafford threw three playoff games, had almost had right at 600 yards rushing through three playoff games. And then you add, what were his numbers this week? Hang on. I've got it right here. Uh, Aaron Swafford had another 80 yards rushing this week. So he has just in four playoff games, Chandler, he's got almost 700 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. There's no When you've got a guy that's playing like that, you don't need to throw the ball. You don't need to take that risk of having it dropped or intercepted or whatever. Just give it to, you know, snap it back to Swafford and let him do his thing. And that's what they've been doing. You know, I've been watching a lot of film on Megs County and Peabody, and you know, a lot of times what they're going to do is, you know, Megs County they're going to take it with a, with Aaron Spofford. He's going to take the snap, and a lot of times he's going to make it even look like it's a read option, but he's going to run, just you know, take it like a design quarterback run, you know. And so, like, I, I'm not like I, I bring that stat up because there's not a lot they haven't had to pass, like you said, Chris. I'm not bringing that up to say they're awful at passing. I will say this though, their completion percentage is half of what Peabody's is, and Peabody over the season have completed 69.8% of their passes. Bex right. County, only 39.3, 11 for 20 in the playoffs. That's not all season. I'm sure they the stats in the season have been better, but they haven't had to pass, and so there's not as much urgency on passing. 
So uh, take that with a grain of salt, that completion percentage, although it may not be as high as Peabody because they're kind of like Mexican too. They pass a little bit more, but they're more successful on the, in the long run when they do pass. Right? I think the thing that stands out about Peabody Chandler is the fact that they're just so efficient on offense. Look, you don't see too many high school teams that complete 70% of their passes. Yeah, I mean, I mean you just don't really see it. That's yeah. that's that's NFL like numbers. I mean, you don't see that at the high school level ever. So I don't know that I have ever seen a high school team complete seventy percent of their passes through ten games. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, though. Here's the interesting tidbit about this: Mex County they average more yards per completion than Peabody does. So when they do pass, it's usually a longer pass, and they're usually you know, having more success as far as more yardage with that pass. So they haven't had to pass a lot and be successful pass because when they do pass, they're throwing it 20, 30 yards downfield, and it ends up going for, you know, a touchdown or something or yeah, maybe that, a long first half. And that's where I think a guy like Gabriel Maldonado of Meigs County mm-hmm. could be key in this game for them uh, because he is a guy that does have – he's got that big playability both in the mm-hmm. passing game, he's got it in the return game for them – and if, if he can do that, if they can get him to kind of stretch that defense a little bit, especially going over the top on them, then I think you're going to open up a whole lot of stuff for, uh, for namely for Aaron Swafford and Will Meadows and the other guys there that they have that run the ball. Yeah, and, and here, here's, here, here's some other things. So let's look at turnovers real quick. Meigs County's had a fumble and an interception, okay? Um. The entire season, Peabody has had three interceptions, no fumbles. Now, I now I found that on, on stats that were given by the school, so I'm sure they may not have wanted anybody to know they have a fumble. I don't know how accurate that is. But from the stats I've got, and they did have fumbles, you know, and some of the other stats, but they did not have a fumble all season. Didn't lose a fumble. See. Didn't lose a fumble. They right. may have dropped the ball, but they recovered all of them. So, because I, I think there were two caused fumbles, but there weren't any that were recovered by the other team. Okay, and also pace of play is important here, Chris, because pace of play is, is kind of how you, um, you know, and this is plays per game, this is kind of how you dictate your offense and dictate how this game is going to go. Mex County, about 10 more plays per game than Peabody. You know, they're going to go 44 plays a game, where Peabody's going to go 35 plays a game. So it's like 34.8 or whatever. So uh, the pace of play with Mex County is a little bit faster uh, I think the offense for Peabody is so efficient that you don't need as many plays to score. Right. And I'm sure they've been blowing people out all season and in the playoffs and that kind of thing. Um, but, but you know, that, that that's what's going on. By the way, Mex County, their average for penalties, nine penalties for – they had seven penalties for 75 yards on Friday night. They now average – they brought that average down a little bit, but they still average 100 yards, 102 yards a, a, a game in penalties – and that just cannot happen when you get to a state championship game, especially with a team that you're going to need every break against. Because, listen, this is – everybody all season, Chris, you told us. They told us this is the, the team to beat in Class 2A. You know, here we are. They're very similar how they run the offense. They're very similar in how they kind of run the defense, too, as I've been watching on film. You know, Peabody seems to be a little bit more balanced. But I think it's I think Mex County is not as balanced because they haven't had to be as balanced. If you're going to run the ball, this is kind of what we ran into with Ray County earlier this season – where 
they don't have to run the ball. They don't have to pass the ball. They want to rush, and they're going to rush until they have to throw the ball, and it's a situation. Uh, it's the same thing, I think, for Mex County. You know, I, I think what we're looking at here is this is a team of destiny. By the way, Mex County, third time's the charm. I think that might be what we're looking at. They've been to the state championship twice. They haven't won. They've been a runner-up both times. I think both times, I think it was in 95 and 80, 80 or 85 and 90, something like that. They were Sounds right. One was in the 80s, one was in the 90s. Um, yeah, I want to say it was yeah. 93, 94, somewhere around in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, I think Meigs County did win it, though, back in the 70s, maybe 76, somewhere yeah. around in there. I think they did win a state championship. So, But it's been so, a while for them. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, Peabody has a higher octane offense, but 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 a slower offense than Meigs County, as I just said. So. I wonder who is going to be able to dictate how fast this game goes because especially with how they run the ball, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities. You might have four or five possessions, you know, or you might have five or less possessions in the, in the first half or first quarter, excuse me, or maybe the first half. I don't know because if you're running the ball like that, you know, you're just going to, you know, tick the clock away and before you know it, it's halftime. Um, but I think this should be a close matchup. I think Mexicani is definitely the underdog, and when you have that rolling for you, sometimes it's good. I just wonder how much of them, and I know it's a state championship. I know it's a different, you know, kind of mindset, but I wonder how much is spent. Okay, when you have a, such a close game, blow for blow, you wonder how much that takes out of you physically and mentally. Listen, Peabody won forty-five fourteen. Now they were down fourteen zero at the beginning of that game on a uh, on a trick play. And an interception. So it wasn't like, you know, they were being, you know, it, you know, that that's basically what happened to them. You know, and – but they got kind of got to take it easy in the second half. They're kind of rested a little bit. You go to last season, Chris, we were talking about Whitwell and Cornersville. Both of them struggled in the quarterfinals and semifinals on the way to a state championship. It wasn't an easy road for either one of them. Right. And that was a 7-6 game because they were both so spent, so gassed in the previous two weeks. You wonder if Meds County is going to have that kind of same – um, I, I want to call it maybe sort of like a hangover from the game before where it's so emotional and you get over this, this hump finally, you know, and, and then you turn around and, you know, you, maybe you lose the state championship because you, you didn't have as much in the tank as a Peabody did. It's, it's going to be interesting to see because you're right. They have had, I mean, that game against Trousdale, and that was one Megs County wanted bad because, again, Trousdale had ended, ended their season uh, for them last year, and so there was a little bit of a revenge factor there, and it was a game that came right down to the end for Meigs County to be able to uh, to uh, to get that win. So you wonder how much is going to be left in the tank, but you know I think a lot of times when you're talking about 15, 16, 17 year old young men, they're pretty uh, they're pretty resilient, and and um, you know those those muscles uh, they bounce back and those bruises heal pretty quick at that age. So. We'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. Anything final, Chandler, on uh, Megs County and Peabody? I think it's going to be one half a game. I don't I do think too. it's going to be. A, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be close. And I, I, I think if you have a chance to go watch a Chattanooga team, and you're going, you know, that's the game you want to go watch because I think that one's going to be. It's either going to be a, a close close game, or it's going to be a, a barn burner of a game where, or a, a low scoring game, or a barn burner of a game. It's either going to be one or the other. Let's talk about uh, the Thursday night game in Division Two. Macaulay, the Blue Tornado, they face NBA. Both teams have had a, a week off to get ready for this one after their semifinal matchup uh, now uh, two weeks ago. 
uh, almost two weeks by the time this game has been played. They did not meet each other in the regular season this year. The last time they played was August the 31st of last year, and NBA won that game 34-14. to How do you see this one play out? You know, this this is an interesting matchup because, and, and simply because you've got McCauley who, honestly, they they average about 150 more yards, total yards per game than NBA. They average 355. NBA averages, excuse me, 203. They're kind of pretty the same kind of balance that they have on, on rushing and passing percentage. They're similar in percentage-wise. Like, they're going to run the ball, you know, 60% of the time and, and, and pass it 40% of the time. Um, you know, completion percentage is like within a percent a percentile of each other, okay? This is the through the two games of the playoffs that I'm pulling all these stats from, by the way. Um, McCauley averages more yards for completion. They average more yards overall. They've, I mean, they're plus one in the turnover department when you look, you know, in the playoffs. Um, they The pace of game, Chris, the pace of play is pretty high. NBA, and they're the ones that are on the lower end of this, NBA averages 51 and a half plays a game. All right? McCauley averages 61 plays a game. They they run, they run will you know have a lot of play calls, and they will snap the ball a lot. Neither one of these teams is really um, penalty-driven. Uh, McCauley averages, 300, uh, averages uh, 26 yards a game in penalties, which is not a whole lot. You know, that's three, two or three penalties, uh, depending on what the penalties are. McCauley, interesting enough about their defense, McCauley has five interceptions in the postseason. Uh, they've thrown one touchdown pass in the postseason, by the way, so they're going to rely. It, it, it's very similar when you watch McCauley and Mex County on tape because they run similar kinds of offense. They cut you out and then take the quarterback and kind of run up the middle. One thing that kind of would, though, is when I was looking at the film for McCauley with Innsworth, Okay, there were a lot of times I'll, you know, we may talk about this later this week or whatever, but there were a lot of times you could see what McCauley was doing just looking at the film, looking where the blockers were, looking where, you know, the heels of the linemen were. It was kind of predictable. So I wonder if, and that's why Innsworth, I think, was able to kind of see that in the first half. If they had any kind of video replay system on that sideline, they were able to see that. And in the second half, that's why they come in and stop McCauley as much as they did because they were kind of predictable. And I hate to say that about one of our teams, Chris, but when you get predictable, especially when you get to a state championship game, you have two weeks, Chris, two weeks to pour over that that, that game tape if, as a coach. You better have some wrinkles and some things to put in the offense. Um, Chandler, you know. if, this game, if this game turns into a shootout, I like McCauley. The way yeah, NBA is too. going to win this game – if they beat McCauley, they're going to beat McCauley the same way they beat Baylor. They're going to make it ugly. It's it's going to be a boring game, and they're going to win it 12-7. That's what they did to Baylor. They just uglied that game up, and they beat them 12-7. The one thing I do like about what NBA does is I think they play really, really good defense. And how that NBA defense lines up and adjusts to what McCauley is going to put at them with Cagle and Harris and uh, D'Angelo Hardy in that backfield and what that looks like, um, I, I think that's going to really be the uh, maybe the difference in this game. How well does the McCauley offensive line play on uh, on Thursday night as well? I think that could have a huge factor in this game. On the flip side of that, I think if you're McCauley, just tackle. 
Because kind of as, as you have already sort of pointed out here, I don't feel like NBA necessarily, they don't have an offense that's going to put up 40 or 50 points, not against McCauley anyway. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So it, it just tackle. You know, keep guys in front of you. Get them on the ground. They do have a, a really good quarterback in Marcel Reed, who is a kid that can throw it. Uh, he doesn't have the big, huge arm necessarily to where, you know, he's not going to throw it 30 times a game. But what he can do is he can throw it 15 times, complete more than half of those passes, not throw an interception, and he can dink and duck on you uh, to get the first down or the touchdown when they need it. The two touchdowns they scored against Baylor both came through the air. They were able to throw the ball. Um, Reed was able to hook up with uh, uh, Noah Mendoza, who's one of his wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mendoza had both of those touchdown uh receptions, and that was all the scoring for NBA, but that was all they needed because their defense played so well. Yeah, and, and a couple things on Marcel Reed, you know, the quarterback. He is a freshman, by the way. Um, so here's the thing. A freshman in a title game, you've got Jay Hardy on that defensive line, okay? If I'm McCauley, I'm bringing pressure early. I'm blitzing. I'm getting him uncomfortable back there because when you have a freshman quarterback, now I, I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. He is probably a great quarterback. But sometimes when you are younger, you don't have as much experience. When you get pressured early, sometimes that can rock you a little bit. And so if you get pressured early, it may be it may have an advantage for McCauley to kind of get that pressure in there and knowing it's looming all the time. Because, by the way, they have one INT and one fumble this season on offense, NBA does, and both of them, of course, the interception was thrown by Marcel Reed. The fumble was by Marcel Reed, too. He was running and he dropped it as well. So, you know, try to get him as pressured as possible, as, as we possibly can, you know. Um, you know, I don't know if he's been on, you know, with Division II, AAA, it's hard to say that they've not been on a big stage because they've had a lot of athletes on the field sure. before. But but a big stage as far as the state championship where all the eyes are on you on that night at that moment because that's the only football game in that three-hour window that's going on in high school football in the state of Tennessee. So that's a big stage. You know, if you're Macaulay, like you said, you have to play your ball. You cannot let them slow you down. You cannot let them dictate the pace here because they're going to average, they're going to try to pull you down to 40 plays in this game. And listen, it wasn't just Baylor, Chris. It was MUS, too. That game was a 6-3 game before NBA scored the touchdown or scored another touchdown and, and made it whatever and ended up 20-3. That wasn't a that wasn't a dominant performance. That was just a six six yards or three yards in a cloud of dust type game, and that's what NBA does so well on defense, right? So, and by the way, NBA held Baylor to only forty two plays, slowing down their offense to a one touchdown game or performance for Baylor. Excuse me, um, you, you know, and it's kind of goes with that saying, Chris. But control your emotions if you're McCauley here. Yeah. I think that's what you have to do here because if this gets into an emotional game and this gets into Fighting for every yard, NBA has the advantage because they're so used to doing that, and they want to keep it close. They want to get get into a, a fight in a phone booth as opposed to you know a, a track meet. That, that's yeah. that's what they want to do. So don't let it get to that if you're Macaulay. All right. Well, there you have it. So coming up Thursday night, you've got Macaulay and NBA, and then uh, on Saturday you've got Megs County and Peabody, the Macaulay and NBA game. You can watch that on my net. Uh, on Thursday night, as a matter of fact, you can watch all the games Thursday and Friday on my net. On Saturday, it moves over to the CW Chattanooga, and you can uh, you can catch them there. So, Chandler, 
I think we've got ourselves uh, a state championship game to a couple of state championship games to watch this week. And you and I will be back first part of next week to kind of recap what we saw in Cookville this weekend. I think when you look down the list of games, I don't think there's going to be really maybe outside, maybe like in three hours somewhere you have Alcoa, but I don't think there's really going to be a um, how you say, I don't think there's really going to be a blowout per se, except for outside one classification, because I think maybe one or two. But I think we're going to have a lot of competitive games, including the two that we're looking at with Mex County and Peabody and uh, Macaulay and NBA. I think those are going to be absolute. They're either going to be barn burners, like I said, or they're going to be knockdown, drag out contests. So should be a lot of fun. Chandler and I will be back with you first part of next week to uh, to recap these uh, two state championship uh, games. Good luck to Megs County and the Tigers. Good luck to the Blue Tornado of Macaulay, and uh, looking forward to seeing those gold balls coming back to Southeast Tennessee. It's going to do it for us this week. Southeast Tennessee Preps, we'll see you next week.